Good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? Awesome time of worship. Amen. Anybody enjoy that besides me? Powerful enough. Come on, let's give this team a hand. They, they take it out of the water every week, every week. But uh, honored to be speaking today. We're in this series called Flip the Script, and I love the theme that's behind this. And, and uh, does anyone here have a sibling besides me? I had a brother, sister. My brother, uh, he went to heaven in 2016. He left us early. And uh, but my brother and I were very close. He was a dynamic pitcher. And I was a catcher, so we played on the same team for like 14 years, and we were the dynamic duo. He was the bad guy, and I got to catch for him, you know. And uh, But we were close, but we had these neighbors called Mike and Ronnie that were always in trouble with the law. They were always in stealing our stuff. And, um, and one day, we caught them stealing some of our stuff, and so my brother, he challenged them. And uh, so Mike was the younger one. Ronnie was the older one. So Mike took off running, and my brother Dave took off chasing Mike. And then Ronnie took off chasing my brother, and so I took off chasing Ronnie. And, and so I'm getting closer to Ronnie, and all of a sudden, I'm like, if I catch him, he's going to kill me because he's way bigger than me. He was the older brother, and I'm getting closer and closer. I was pretty fast, and I'm getting closer, and I'm like, first of all, I'm going, if I catch him, I'm going to hurt him. If I catch him, I'm going to hurt him. And the closer I got, the bigger he got, and I'm like, if I catch him, he's going to kill me, you know what I'm saying? And, and so finally, my brother thought... And so he hid behind a tree, and when Ronnie got close enough, my brother jumped out and tackled him, and we whipped Ronnie together. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, we double-teamed on him. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about these brothers and brotherhood as we get into the story of Joseph and his brothers, as we're going to flip the script. You see, of all the great men that was mentioned in the, in the book of Genesis, and we see several men like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we find that Moses spent more time talking about Joseph than any of the above. And so we look at this because you see most preachers, when they talk about Joseph, we use the story of Joseph to illustrate how God's divine sovereignty and human responsibility intersect folking exclusively on the comment that Joseph gave his brothers when he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And to get to that, for those that might not have grown up in church or you don't know the story, Joseph had 10 half-brothers, and then later on he had another Benjamin, a full-blood brother with his parents, and, but Joseph was his father's favorite. And God, or Joseph's father gave him this coat of many colors, and he showed favoritism to Joseph, and, and the brothers were jealous of it, and Joseph took advantage of it, and we'll talk about that later. And, and so one day they're out watching the flock, and, and Joseph's brothers are mad and angry because Joseph had a dream. And he shared the dream with his brothers, and we'll share that dream with you in a few moments, and it made them angry and jealous that they would bow down and worship him one day and serve him. And so they come up with this plan that we're going to kill him. And, and so then the elder brother said, no, nah, let's don't go that far. Let's just sell him into slavery. And so they took Joseph's coat that his father had made him of many colors, and they took it and killed an animal and spread blood on it. And they took the coat to the father and told him that an animal had killed Joseph. So the father's in grieving. They threw Joseph in a pit. And when a caravan come by going to Egypt, they sold Joseph into slavery. And he's taken to Potiphar's house where now he's to be a slave. But he immediately God gave him favor with Potiphar. 
and he put him as a servant leader in his house, but Potiphar's wife started making advances to Joseph, and Joseph, being a, a righteous young man, he rejected those advances, and the, the wife got angry, and so she set up a plan where she accused Joseph of raping her and told her husband that he had tried to rape her, and so now Joseph's thrown in prison, accused of rape. And so while he's in prison, uh, the baker and the butler are thrown into prison, and he interprets their dreams, and so now Pharaoh has a dream, the king of Egypt, the monarch, and so they connect Joseph with him to interpret his dream. He then shows favor to Joseph and makes him second in charge of Egypt. And now there's a massive famine going on, and Joseph creates this irrigation system that brings crops and plenty in the midst of famine. And guess who has to come to Egypt to get food? The brothers. And guess who they have to get it from? Joseph, the one they sold into slavery. And so there's a quick, nut, quick nutshell of a huge story of a young man that's taken on a roller coaster ride of life. Can anyone identify with the roller coaster ride of life? And I want to talk to you today in a different way as we flip the script because most ministers, when they talk about Joseph, we talk about this prototype of Christ. And in some sense, he is, but I want to tell you, he's more like his brothers than he was like Christ. And he's really not a prototype of Christ. He's a prototype of his brother. There was nothing special about Joseph that made God pick him. He just happened to be the one that God set aside for this calling. He wasn't any more righteous, and we'll talk about that later on. He was identical to his brother. So if you say, I want to be Joseph, in reality, what you're saying is, I just want to be one of the brothers. And every one of us in this room today are one of the brothers. We're not Joseph. Jesus is the only Joseph. And we're going to show you that throughout this message. You see, because the story of Genesis is a story because in Genesis chapter 1 through 49, we see where God's people begin to leave him. They begin to go after false gods. They begin to look to the culture of the world versus the culture of, of God and his righteousness. And they begin to intermarry and intermingle in with the world. And so the righteousness is leaving the kingdom of God and, and we're now seeing the famine that's hit the land. Things are going dark. And so God calls Joseph and sets him aside from the brothers. He's still a brother. And he sets him aside and he says, I have a task for you to do, but you've got to go on a journey so I can prepare you to fulfill that task. And I'm going to be with you through the whole thing and show you favor. And so we see here that Joseph then comes in. He doesn't seek revenge, but he seeks restoration with his brothers. We see that Joseph settles the family in Goshen, shielding them from the anti-God culture, and he creates an irrigation system that now brings plenty for the land to eat off of. And here's what I want you to see in this. The question is, why did God choose Joseph? Why did God pick Joseph? Was there something special about Joseph that would make God pick him? No. He just happened to be the one that God picked. How many's glad today that there's not a certain list of qualifications you have to meet for God to say, there's the one I want? Because when you look at the life of Joseph, he was prideful, he was arrogant, he was self-centered, he had selfish ambitions, he had unforgiveness in his life. It was nothing that made Joseph any different than his brother. So when you say, I want to be like Joseph, you got to flip the script because Joseph is one of the brothers. 
that just happened to be chosen by God to be the one that was going to bring redemption. And so what the whole message of the gospel is and what God was trying to show us with this person called Joseph is he's bringing the whole message back to the message of the entire Bible, and that's called redemption. Here's what God was doing. You see, God gives so much time on Joseph's story because he wants us to see how he puts himself, say God. God is showing us the story of Joseph because he wants us to see how he puts himself in seemingly impossible situations in mine and your lives and finds a way to keep his covenant and his promises with us. Joseph's journey, his brother's journey, and mine and your journey highlight God's providence and God's promises. What God is doing is he's showing us one more time through the story of Joseph, favored son, rejected, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, false accused of rape, has a prison record, given favor in prison, now sits second in charge of Egypt and becomes God's key person now that's going to provide for an entire nation. Why? God set himself up to be put in a seemingly impossible situation that he could be glorified in it in the end through a young man named Joseph. And can I tell you, you and I are one of those brothers that God wants to do the same thing through today. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me? How many is ready for some greatness in your life? Come on. And so your life, your journey, your purpose is no accident. God said in Scripture that he knew every one of our days before we saw even one of them. Paul says in Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And the word there entangles in the King James is besets. And the word beset there means to ambush. Anybody got some things in your life that continually try to ambush your mind? Ambush your thought pattern, ambush your thinking, ambush how you feel about yourself. He's saying, we are surrounded by such a great cloud that let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily besets, ambushes us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. You see, when life isn't turning out the way you had planned, we got to keep living, keep believing, and keep dreaming. I want to talk to you today about keeping your dream. Don't give up on your dream. Here's some things I want to show you. We're not passing out notes today because we've got several guest speakers this month, and I didn't want to get you back into it, and then they don't. Okay? All right? But we're going to put them on the board here. How many is a dreamer? The Bible said without a vision, the people perish. If you're not dreaming, you're dying. And I want to challenge you today because, boys, the enemy come against the church to steal our dreams. I mean, one thing after another to steal our purpose and our dreams in life. And I want to talk to you about some things today that if you're a dreamer, don't give up on your dream, number one, even if things don't start off well. Don't give up on your dream even if things don't start off well. It didn't start off well with Joseph. We see it in Genesis chapter 37. And it says that Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. You need to be careful who you tell your dreams to, by the way, because everybody don't want your dreams to come to pass. Most of them are family. He said to them, listen to this dream I had, talking to his brothers, 
We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and you bowed to it. And he goes on. After that, they saw him and they said, here comes that dreamer. Had any of your friends say that? They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Joseph's dream didn't start off too well. Jesus, his dream, his journey didn't start off too well either. We find it in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. It says, he grew up before like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And when you study out the phrase here, what it says is, is that Jesus came to a world that he was willing to die and give his life for to redeem us back to him. And we didn't want him. We rejected him like a root trying to grow up in a parched dry ground That was the beginning of what Jesus had to face when he came to love us, but we rejected his love. Didn't start off too good for Jesus. What about us? Paul tells us in Timothy, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Anybody join me and can stand beside Paul and go, I didn't look that good when this race started. Amen. Come on, somebody, there was some junk in the trunk. Come on, let's be honest in here. There's some stuff we're not that proud of back there that could have disqualified us, but Jesus called us. Our our beginning wasn't that pretty. Because you got to keep dreaming even though your beginning wasn't that beautiful and wasn't that wonderful. Number two, you got to keep dreaming even when those closest to you don't support you. Joseph's brothers were all against him. They hated him because of his dream. And you're going to find out who your real friends are and who your real brothers and sisters are when you start sharing your dreams. Because everybody will cry with you. Because you got to know the right people that's going to smile and laugh with you. Everybody will fall in. You've got to come and understand today. You got to know who you're going to share your dream with. And you got to realize you got to keep dreaming even when those closest to you don't support you. You see, Joseph was not just betrayed, he was betrayed by his brothers. These weren't just acquaintances, these were his brothers. That's a whole new level of hurt and pain. Everybody look at me for a second. Your true friends will never leave you. Your true friends will never walk away from you. This thing, well, you know, God told me, no, he didn't because friends don't do that. You've got to come and realize today that true friends stay closer than a brother. And they're with you through the ups and they're with you through the downs. And you've got to hang on to your dream even when people begin to walk away. Joe put it like this. He said, my relatives stay far away and my friends have turned against me. My family is gone and my close friends have forgotten me. You see, every person in your life has the opportunity. Pastor Hagee taught me this years ago. He said, every person in your life has the ability to be a blessing or a curse. He said, every one of them have the opportunity to be a blessing. Some by coming and some by leaving. Don't turn down the blessing. 
Can I give you a word of wisdom here today? Every person in your sphere of influence has the potential to be a blessing. Some by coming and some by leaving. Don't turn down the blessing and don't try to chase down people that don't want to be close to you and help fulfill your dream. Don't do it. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're not supposed to go on the journey with you. And you've got to realize today that if you're going to be a dreamer, you've got to understand that you've got to keep dreaming even when people close to you begin to walk away. God uses Joseph to show us that deep hurts caused by, by betrayal. He also lets us see how easy it is for us to walk away from the people that we say we love in a time of conflict. That we put ourselves in the position because we're one of the brothers. The psalmist in Psalm 27 said, Even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. That no matter who walks away in your life, as long as you've got God there, you've got to take yourself out of Joseph's position and leave God there because only God can fulfill Joseph. We're still one of the brothers. Are you with me? And we need him in our life. And you've got to understand, everybody's not going to go totally and completely on the full journey with you. Even it happened to Jesus. They, the disciples, when it came time for miracles, they were all around him, feeling the, feeding the 5,000. They're having a heyday. But when it came time for the cross, he couldn't find one. And you've got to understand, the closer you get to your destiny, the more people around you are going to AWOL on you. But you've got to keep dreaming. You got to keep going forward. Number three is you got to keep dreaming even if your journey is full of surprises. Anybody in here had some surprises along the way? You know why the enemy brings those? Because he wants to stop and distract you from fulfilling your purpose. He wants to take away your dream. He wants to make you stop dreaming. You see, Joseph is betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, falsely accused of rape, sentenced to over two years in prison, given favor with Pharaoh, put second in charge of Egypt. And then in Romans, Paul says in Romans 8, and we know now that all things work together for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. You've got to understand that all this journey that made no sense to Joseph, God was working it out. Every stop was required for Joseph to get in the position that God needed him to be in so that he could bless the nations of the earth and bring redemption of lost mankind back to the Father. Every stop was required. And anybody besides me in this building today have some questions on some of those stops? Like, I know you said you won't put more on me than I can bear, but either you miss this one or you see more in me than I do. Come on, somebody. All things are working together for the good. I don't see good in this at all right now. And we have to come and realize that God says, in this journey, I have to come and know that there's some surprises, there's some things, some unexpected events is going to take place along this journey. And I have to realize that, and I can't let it stop me from dreaming. Because if you do, you'll never reach your full potential, and you'll never fulfill your purpose on this earth. Because victories do not develop us, struggles do. Victories, they just put trophies on your wall. 
But it's the struggles of life that develop us and put us in a place that we have faith in God and we trust him to do things that we never could have trusted him to do before because God's trying to prepare us to be a redeemer of people's lives that are around us that we have a solution and we've been through some fire and we know what it's like to cry and we know what it's like to hurt and we know what it's like to feel alone and we know what it's like to look for God and can't find him. We know what it's like to wonder why and what and where and when and yet in in the midst of it all, we kept our faith. We kept our dream. We kept our hope. We never lost our purpose. We stayed focused on our calling, knowing that in the end, there's an ultimate reward for every person that will not lose their dream. And I have to realize there's some surprises along the way. I dreamed one day that I would sit in the stands and cheer for my grandson. I never thought the day would come I would be kneeling by his, his grave. Never thought it. But every day I go there and I play our worship and I talk to my J-man. But you know what? His death doesn't steal my dream. And I tell him every day, your legacy will go on. What his death did, man, is it just threw some gas in the fire. It just shifted this thing to fifth gear. And we're going to run like we've never run. We're going to go as hard as we can go. We're going to win as many as we can win. We're going to reach as many as we can reach. And you've got to realize today, the unexpected has been sent to steal your dream, to put you in a closet, let you shut the door and die in your darkness and your loneliness. I'm talking to somebody in this building right now. And the enemy wants to shut you down. But I'm here to tell you, you got to dream on. You got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and know that God in heaven is watching you. He's carrying you. He's holding you. And He's got purpose in your life. And the enemy wants to steal your dream because if He steals your dream, He shuts down your purpose. I'm not trying to make light of anything in here. I, I didn't know a man could hurt like I hurt right now and still be alive. And I know what you've been through. And I know what you've been through. And I know what some of you have been through. And But by the grace of God, we're here today, standing in worship, lifting our hands to an amazing Father that has carried us when we couldn't carry ourselves, has held us when nobody could hold us strong enough, who keeps putting songs of worship and praise in our heart, and continues to let us wake up every morning as a dreamer, with purpose and destiny in our life, and we're going to make a difference. The devil will not win. Yeah. Will not. Number four, I didn't share any of that in the first service. I have no idea where that come from, so somebody needed it besides me. Number four, you got to keep dreaming even if it takes a long time for it to be fulfilled. Anybody besides me just hate time? You know that thing where they said, somebody lied. When they said time heals everything, that's a lie. Time don't heal anything. Time makes it worse if you don't have Jesus in it. You take Jesus out of Joseph, you take God out of that position of Joseph, time will be your worst nightmare. But when you let God step in the place of Joseph and you become one of those brothers going, I need you. And he goes, I've got you. And all of a sudden, it may take a month. It may take a year. It may take five years. Some of you has been 15, 20 years. It may take, I don't know the time frame, but here's what I do know. Joseph was thrown into prison and God was setting him up to become the deliverer of a nation. 
and all of a sudden when Joseph was in prison, the baker and the butler, the butler was in charge of Pharaoh's wine and the baker was in charge of his food and they both had done something stupid so they got thrown in prison with Joseph and so they had a dream and Joseph interpreted the dream and he told the baker, in three days they're gonna hang you on a tree and the birds are gonna feast on your body and that happened, that's not encouraging words. And then he told the butler, he said in three days you're gonna be serving back in Pharaoh's house and you're gonna be his cupbearer. Again, you're gonna have the blessing of Pharaoh on your life. And, and that happened, but it didn't end there. Here's what Joseph did, but he let God know where he was at. And he told the butler, he said, by the way, when you see Pharaoh, send him a message for me that I don't belong here. That I was unjustly done by my brothers. I was falsely accused of rape and I don't belong here. And God said, two more years, you're not even close to being ready for what I need you to do yet. You still got pride, you're defending yourself, you got ego, you got selfish ambitions. He said, you're not even ready to forgive your brothers. If I sent your brothers to you right now, you'd seek revenge, not restoration. And he left him in prison two more years to get him ready for what God wanted to do in his life. And can I tell you, you gotta keep dreaming even if there's some time added to it. Joseph never lost his dream. He kept on dreaming. And you and I, in the midst of our struggles, we've got to keep on dreaming. Habakkuk put it like this. In Habakkuk 2, these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily. Does anybody besides me hate both of those words right there? <laughs> I don't like things slow. I don't like them to take, the, I like instant. I'm not a waiter. Don't go to my Walmart with my wife because she's going to go down every aisle if she just needs milk. <laughs> just in case there was something she forgot she needed before she left the house. Makes no sense. And she makes fun of me for sitting in a deer stand. Figure that. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. It's not going to happen instantly. It's a journey, folks. We're on a journey. If it seems slow, do not despair, for the things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue one single day. Come on, somebody. That, that, that's worth coming to church for right there. God's saying, I've got this. He said in Scripture, before your days were given, I knew every one of them. Not one day, not one day overdue is your miracle coming. Not one day overdue is your purpose going to be fulfilled. If I just walk with God and keep dreaming, keep dreaming, keep dreaming, keep believing God, make myself available, know that without you I can do nothing, but in you I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. So words of wisdom. I sat down with one of my spiritual fathers. I went and met with him for a few days over in Jacksonville and just got along with him. He's been one of my spiritual fathers for years. Great, one of the greatest men of wisdom I've ever met in my life, Dr. David Wentz. I sat down with him and he said, how are you, Dan? How are you? How's your wife? How's Brad? How's Ashley? How's church? Everybody? And I'll never forget, he looked across the table at me. And he said, I need to tell you this, Dan. He said, I know your heart's broken right now. He said, how are you? He said, are you okay? And I knew he'd know if I was lying. And I said, no, not really. I said, I will be, but you're asking me right now, am I okay? I said, no. 
And some of you need to hear this today because, man, it was like a light come on to me. It's so simple, but it was so powerful. I hope my daughter-in-law is listening. He said, Dan, it's okay to not be okay. Because, see, we as Christians feel like we've got to be perfect all the time. We've got to be full of faith and full of belief and happy with God. And, and I'll, t- I'll be honest with you right now, I ain't that happy with him. So he told my grandson, I'm not angry at him. It was like someone came the other day. They said, I know you wouldn't bring him back if you could. I said, don't say that because I'd bring him back right now. I said, it's too early to say that to me right now. I'm hurting. He said, Dan, it's okay to not be okay. You just can't live there. Because it's okay to be okay again. Some of you need to hear that. It's okay to laugh again. It's okay to go on with life again. You don't have to live here in this sorrow. You don't have to live here in this grief. I'm still mourning the loss of my grandson, but I'm not going to live here forever. I go to his grave every day. I plan on it until I die. I, that may change. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to go worship with him. I know he's in heaven, but we're just going to have it down here still. But everybody needs to listen to me right now because some of you in a place that you're not okay and the enemy's trying to make you feel guilty about it and it's okay not to be okay. And then some of you are staying in that place because you feel guilty about laughing again. You feel guilty about having fun again. You feel guilty about moving on with life again and it's okay to be okay again. And we need to get that today or we're going to get stuck and never fulfill God's purpose and plan for our life. You see, words of wisdom from a father, number one, if you're going to keep dreaming, you got to focus on what happens in you, not what's happening to you. Hallelujah. you got to focus on what's happening in you, not what happened to you. James said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And so often we focus on what somebody's doing to me or what life has brought against me. And I can't. I've got to realize what's God doing in me in this journey because every negative stop in Joseph's journey was a place that God was doing something inside of him to prepare him for some amazing feat that God had set that you and I wouldn't even be in here having church today if Joseph had not fulfilled that journey. And you got to realize that there's a purpose in everything, though I don't understand it all now. I did it. I promised my J-man. I said, if you leave me, I'm taking you hunting with me every day. So I did it. If you don't like them, don't say anything because they ain't taking it off because I saw the saw and it ain't happening. But I've got my deer and I've got my J-man. I put it where it's not seen by everybody because it's mine and his thing. But I take him hunting with me every day. We talk. But I did it more than anything because it makes people ask questions. And when I was in Jacksonville, I was sitting in a restaurant. There's an older man. When I say they're old, they're about to die. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look at this. If I say you're old, you're prehistoric. You know what I mean? There was this older guy sitting over there, and, and he saw the horns, like, just saw that part. He goes, oh, a hunter, I see. I said, yeah. He says, is that elk or a deer? I said, well, it's a mule deer. And we started talking hunting. And I go, but it's really more than that. And I finished it up. And I said, it's about my grandson. And I told him James' story. 
a little bit. Just told him that I said I lost my grandson just days ago. I'm here for a little break and a little rest. And he didn't cry, but his eyes got watery. And he said, I lost my daughter tragically three years ago. And he said, I've been angry at God ever since. He said, I haven't stepped into church since. I said, you might want to come sit over here. And for 45 minutes, I took him through Jabin's entire story and told him about the grace and the love of a father that has a plan in everything that we go through. And I don't normally hold men's hands in public or in private. <laughs> Let me clarify that comment right now. Got my wife on the front row. Woo. But I reached across that table at Moe's Restaurant in Jacksonville, Florida on Atlantic Boulevard. And I looked into a man as now he began to weep. And I prayed the love of Jesus. Because you've got to stop letting what happened to you prevent what God's trying to do in you and through you if you're going to fulfill your dream. I'm 59. I'll be 60 in August. But the tragedy that I just went through, and I know my family has gone through it, but I'm going to tell you, it's made me more of a dreamer than less of one. Because I'm going to make sure his legacy gets fulfilled with every breath that I have. You've got to quit letting what's happened to you control what God's trying to do in you. Come on, somebody say amen. Number two, my time is gone. Your response to offense will determine your future. Your response to offenses will determine your future. The Bible said offenses will come. You're going to be offended. I'm going to be offended. Genesis, Joseph looks at his brothers when they came to him for help. He looked at his brothers, and we so often misquote the scripture. How many's heard it said, what the devil meant for evil, God meant it for good. Anybody's heard that? That's not even in the Bible. He he didn't even bring the devil in it. He was talking to his brothers and said what you meant for evil, God has meant it for good in my life. And can I challenge some of you as I challenge myself today that you've got to understand your offenses, the things that people have done to hurt you and to wound you, to come in and cause pain for you, You've got to understand your response to those offenses are going to determine where you're going in your future. They'll either hold you where you are and lock you in a closet of unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred, or you will move on past them and go, it was another stop in my journey that was required to show me who I really am and what needs to be adjusted in my life so that I can move on to the next step that God wants to take me to so that I can reach my ultimate purpose in Him. How you handle offense is going to determine your future. And last of all, every dream faces tough times. Every dream faces tough times. But remember, God is always with you. Listen, if there's anybody I want to know is with me, it's not Joseph. It's not his brothers. It's God. And that's why you got to take Joseph out of the picture and put God there because you don't want to be Joseph. You want, you want God. 
and understand that He never leaves us. He never leaves us. How many's done it? And I've just done it yesterday. So I sat on the ground next to Jabin's grave and I turned on at the cross his favorite song. It was lightning. And I told him, I ain't leaving you till we finish this song. Rain started coming. I just let it rain. We finished our song. And I'm going to tell you, the presence of God was greater than that rain or that lightning. When you understand that you're not alone, God is with you. I said, God is with you. Wherever you're facing today, and I know some of you are facing some deep, deep stuff. God is with you today. He hasn't abandoned you. The psalmist put it like this, and I close with this in Psalms 139. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Today, I'm here to tell you that no matter where you are in this journey, you may be in the pit, you may be in the palace, wherever you are in this journey, I wanna let you know that God is with you and he's always walking with us. And he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, but I am with you until the end of this journey. Don't you stop dreaming. Don't you stop believing. Don't you stop knowing that I've got something great planned for your life. Don't stop. You gotta keep your dream because if you let the devil lose, take your dream, you lose your purpose. And when you lose your purpose, you have no reason to be here. Every day is a day of survival. Don't lose your dream. Let's be dreamers in this house. And let's make a difference in the kingdom of God. You receive God's word today? Thank you. Bow your heads with me. Maybe you'd like to join those this morning in the first service. Lifted a hand and I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you that you'd say today, Pastor, I'm not where I belong with God right now. I know about God. I just know I'm not where I need to be with God. Right now, I just want you to pray a prayer for me. I will not come to you. I just want to pray a prayer. And if that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up where you sit and you can put it right back down. God bless you. 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 Six, seven hands being raised. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. Maybe online, you'll join us to say, I need to pray today. I need Jesus. I need to make a decision with him today. Pray for me. Anyone else before we pray? If you raise your hand or you did not, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. Right now, I come to you. I confess. I believe and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me and let's give a celebration praise for these that have prayed today.